five for you, my love. Oh wait, I got it now. It went. Everybody, I'm Chad Eckert, and that's Eric Martins, and that's Josh Bennett, and we are cracking beers, clicking names. Cheers! Another week. Cheers! Is it the last week? It pretty much is, because next week's only a thirty-man event. It's like the hero, or like the tournament of champions, and those DraftKings contests without the captain mode are kind of shitty. You were about to say the World Hero Open, right? That's like, like yeah. 25 people. They did 31. Or yeah, I guess they're like 20 people, but that's done. They've done DraftKings for that before. We're oh, yeah. here. We're in the playoffs. Josh, how are you? Did you play golf today? I did not play golf today. Just work. I played 27 holes yesterday, though. Oh, so your body's sore? Yeah. Yeah, really sore. Walked all 27 nice. with the bag on my back. Ooh. It is rough. Rough. Um, we, we do things here uh, that include golf talk, and it is now Wednesday night, so we're going to tout some names. It's going to be fun. Um, but the after show is where we'll get into a little bit more of the potpourri topics. Um, I do kind of want to have a main topic each week before we get into the names and the reasons. And, then, and because it is the no-cut event, maybe we should talk about the fact that this is the playoffs. We could talk about strategy for no cut events because that's something that maybe we need to th think about but before we go into the DraftKings stuff nice playoffs we've got here there's darbo darbo welcome in did i miss the intro music you did yeah the guitar. just barely bummer well kind of we kind of played it twice i didn't hit live right away it was a, kind of a mess actually hmm. off to a good start we made it though <laughs> we're here at live yeah, hey, I, I like this new camera position, Josh. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, uh, I got a, I got a new position on the desk. Love it. Switched over the monitors and halfway through setting up the ship behind me. I like not it. All. Quite, not quite done there. Didn't have, didn't have time, but that'll be ready for next week. I think. Cool. Quagnus, have you ever thought about changing your background since the beginning of time? You've had uh, Damon Corner. I guess the only thing I might change is where I am so that can you see the flag stick? Oh yeah, there you can. Oh, right there. Whatever. We're um, not worried about you. What um <laughs> Eric. Uh how do you like these these playoffs? No, Darbo. I mean, no, which one? We'll call Eric. <laughs> we'll call Eric Darbo Darbo and you will call you Quagnus. Quag, nice playoffs. Remember that? We were talking about this over the weekend where it's like, geez, this leaderboard's kind of shitty. Uh Sepp Straka's about to, to win, and he's going to beat a bunch of scrubs. And then we did get saved. How was your uh, impression on the first round of the playoffs? I, I think it's actually kind of what the playoffs have been over the years. I mean, going back a long time, you, you see these guys emerge, you know, that are – they're motivated in various ways. I mean, I think that was really cool. We wanted Seb Straka to win. You were, <laughs> you were, tweet, you were, you were texting about that. Over the weekend, well, I, was, I did not want him to win. I wasn't on the bandwagon of the Zalatoris train. Darbo, did you any have any Zalatoris in your life last week on DraftKings? No, you faded that chalk. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I was like so convinced that either uh, Rory was going to win, or um, shoot, I forget who the other guy was that I had, but it was. I ended up going with Rory, 
And then I couldn't decide which 9k golfer I wanted. Well, Zalatoris wasn't one of them, but it was like okay. it was either Spieth or somebody else oh, in the yeah. 9k range. I can't remember, no. but it just that, that burned me big time. Yeah, you Having, didn't win uh, any money. No, it was my worst week of the year by far. Uh, Jish, what is your impression of this format in the playoffs where we go from 130 people, there is a cut. It does not appear that you need to have even played it because the overall rankings hasn't changed much from round one to two, including the fact that the number three overall seed in this thing doesn't even need the points for next week. So what's up with this format? Are you interested in the uh, the way they do things or would you like to change it? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think you can ever make that perfect, to be honest with you. It's a... Uh... You got. You have to find a way to encompass the whole season because that's what the playoffs is about. That's, that's I mean, important. I mean, if we're talking other sports that have like obnoxiously long seasons, let's we can just talk about baseball that has four hundred fifty-five thousand games in a season. The first yeah. game, in theory, matters as much as the last game, even though people say end of the season matters more. First game, last game, they mean the same in the standing. So, I don't. I don't know. I. It's weird. It is weird to me to think that there are there are people that are playing in the playoffs last week and this wait this is the first week no last week was the first week yeah no last week uh, that like haven't done anything and like a whole yeah. bunch of like you don't well, don't even know their names because they are <laughs> they were just good in the fall so right. November or no yeah, yeah it was like September I mean we're talking literally eleven months ago people yeah doing it's weird that, but that but then again it is. It is what the tour defines as the season, whether we right. think it's stupid or not. So, which is why then a live league was formed because the players were like, "This is stupid and not fair." So they they did that to themselves. Obviously, right. they should distribute the points differently. They shouldn't be giving the same amount of points that the winner of like Tory Pines or Arnold Palmer's events or like. I think they do. I think they do it that a little bit. I think it's some. I think. Well, maybe they don't. Okay, well, I don't like the way no, that I think it is based on strength of field a little bit, isn't it? No, because they can't fuck over the 3M open because no one will show up. See, what I think oh, is... Oh, yeah. That, no, I'm thinking of something else. Never mind. Yeah, the, they need to maybe even have the points ratchet up as you get closer to the playoffs so that the 3M open and the uh, Rocket Mortgage and the ones in July that are kind of forgotten about are potentially pumped up to make it seem like, oh, the conclusion of the season is more important. Save your energy and save the gas in the tank for the end. And that's not what happens. It just gets to the playoffs. You have 130 random people. Some people don't even care. Rory is missing cuts. Scheffler's missing cuts. It doesn't even matter. They have It has had no impact on them for next week. I and think that- uh, I think last year this exact scenario happened. I think Webb, I think it was Webb, was third going into this ago. tournament last year and didn't play, and he moved down to fourth or something. Yeah, they don't do shit. Yeah, two years ago. So Cam Smith, <laughs> or two years ago, whenever it was. Yeah, Cam Smith is smart. Is he not, Martin Coagnes? Sure. I mean, you you made the case to me, and, and it made sense. What he, He's either first or fifth or third. He can make the decision based on whether he plays or doesn't play. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a fine scenario to put yourself into. But I, I, I will say this, completely disagree with you. <laughs> that while 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 you while you might you know because we don't have Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and all these other guys that have left the PGA Tour, but but yet they make they make a PGA Tour event seem like it's super strong. 
the PGA Tour still attracts the best players in the world, no matter what. So the oh. idea that the field strength, the, the field strength of a fall event compared compared to a field strength, you know, in mid to late July or whatever, hasn't really changed despite some of these people leaving for live or whatever. So no, I'm not talking about the strength of field. The strengths of fields are always going to be fine and better better than any other tours. I'm talking about the fact that there are people that are elites and that their high and mighty status on the PGA Tour is not even – it forces them to go out of their ways to play the Mayakoba and play the, the CJ Cup and do the Zozos and the random shit because if they don't, they are going to miss out and they're going to be looked at as fools in July if they don't well, do those things in November and October, which no one wants to do after you just concluded the season 30 days or less before. So then they're the, like, wait, we just gave it our all. And now we're going to be penalized for not wanting a break. These people are fighting through injuries. They need a, they need time to recover from those. What if they're what if they're just not hitting the fade that they want to hit? Well, when are they going to have time to take time off and practice and, and change the way they do things? They never have time off. So this is what they're complaining has, uh, about. Has the anybody PGA. looked into their what their changes are for the fall? as far as like how they I have they're the racing season. the whole thing and they're doing all these no cut events and they're all no like do they all do they all count the same as they would right now they don't count for shit for the season perfect it, yeah i know so they're just going to be payout structured events that are going to be pay for you know play if you're good enough you get invited to them and you don't even have to come to them if you're so rich you can deny the money that's the better part about it is that the elite players can then not have to sacrifice points and potential standings in July and August. They can just sacrifice a few dollars. And if they're willing to say, hey, listen, I'm not needing to go out of my way to play these hit and giggles versus 48 people. Fuck it. I'm going to go see in January. And they skip all that. Maybe they're missing out on like 10 or 15 million. But in the end of the day, maybe that's worth it. If they can recover from an injury or they can have, have surgery. I mean, I'll tell you right now. Takes a lot to recover from injuries, and you can't just pick it up, right? Darbo, you know what I like, uh, you know what I like for this, Chad? I like this idea actually, where yeah. nothing happens, no, nothing matters in the fall. It's so you say, if that's what that's they're doing. Yeah. I haven't looked into it, so I'm trusting you. Instead of making this like just a big money grab for all the elite guys, they do what they kind of do in other sports and just make it like a preseason thing. Where, like, some of the good dudes show up, some of them don't. They don't really care. But it's more for, like, the younger dudes or the dudes that are trying to chase cards to, like, tune up for the season and get ready for shit. And then have, like, a – have your have your pre – we'll call it a preseason. Have your preseason from whatever – whenever the tour championship's over through, what, three, four, five months, whatever you want to call it. And then at the end of that, do like a do like a mini, like a mini championship for people that kind of grind it in the fall, hmm. and then like the top five in that get a card for the next year or something. Okay, make it yeah. because okay. here's actually because here's the here's the the no, complaint. No, you, that you're a lot you're of fool. Are, you're in, you know, nothing. Nothing should happen for golf in the fall. No, you're no, no. Listen, against listen, a religion. You're we're golf right. in on Sundays is a is a mistake in the fall. That no one wants to that watch golf. They want to watch football. Right. That's, they're, why, they're that's, why you put the, that's why you don't put the good people on TV unless they want to go. 
So or they should do it, it from Wednesday through Saturday at least, for fuck's sakes. Yeah, yeah, experiment. Yeah, yeah. They they experiment all the time. And and right. we've like spent twelve minutes on this. Darbo, did we miss anything? Are you getting this? Does this make sense? No, that's good. I I don't have anything else to add, and I don't disagree with anything okay. you guys are talking about. We want to talk a little DraftKings strategy on these pods each Wednesday night. We're going to try to get into a little topic each week. In that, we did a little playoff uh, potpourri topic there. We're going to talk now about no cut strategy. Is there a strategy? for when you use when you're in a no-cut event i don't know if there is i honestly don't i've heard that there are ways to handle this differently potentially and there's only so many times of the year that we get this type of DraftKings tournament of champions mexico i guess was because it's the wgc or it was no cut match play but that's not really for DraftKings. this one tour championship next week we have cj cup is a no cut because it's in Korea or somewhere, Japan, and this or Zozo's Japan, Korea, CJ Cup, and then HSBC is a WGC, so that was a no cut event, and then you have Hero, so there's only a you know eight of them or whatever, ten of them. Do we care about playing differently, Martins? What do you do differently, or do you do anything differently? I like how you say there's only eight of them. That's kind of a, it's quite a few, no cut events. So I think we should be taking, you know, whatever strategy. Yeah, eight out of 54 or or 52 or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's different. And then it's also different if it's a 30-man versus a 70-man no-cut versus a 130-man no-cut. I think those also have differences in strategy, maybe. For sure they do. The 30-man is where things get – probably you should just take the week off and not gamble because – That is pure roulette. Yeah, it's like – well, it's all – you know, it's sort of related to that, but no, I, I think, it'll, I mean, no, leave 2000 off the table or use up all your money. I think that it's just going to depend on the year. <laughs> oh, Darvo's shaking his head. I shake Darvo, how, how do you feel about the leaving 2000 on the table thing? Me? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, bad idea. Bad idea, quickness. How much money? How much money? <laughs> 2000 He was exaggerating. I, think. I was exaggerating. I was yes, exaggerating. So I, meant, I meant like a thousand. I still don't think you leave a thousand on the table. Yeah, I think that man. that uh, okay. the one that you guys gave me crap about during the tournament of champions. I only left three hundred dollars on the table, and it was the third highest scoring lineup you could possibly make. So hmm. I don't think you pot you want to leave a lot of money on the table. I think that's just a that's a farce. That's a fallacy. You don't want to do that. The this um, the salaries are so soft. Like you can mm-hmm. literally put four. 8k and like you could put two 8ks or what was it like i was going over this with uh, joe nicely yesterday you can i think create a 10 two nines and an eight still have room for a seven and then have a quality six keg offer um in your lineup so and that gets you around fifty thousand. So i don't think you need to leave a lot of money on the table you still need the winner the winner is the most important thing at ever like completely when it comes to lineup building so I don't think the winner's going to be down in the 6K range. It could, but I doubt it. Um, and with that that being said, you don't want to leave a lot of money on the table. Okay, well, from a golfer's perspective, Jish Swish, if you are showing up knowing you have four guaranteed rounds versus showing up and maybe trying to grind out a cut, it changes your routine, does it not? And then, therefore, 
maybe the way that you attack a course as a player or do you do the same stuff regardless? I don't, I don't think so at all. Uh, if it, if it's going to change a strategy at all, it will change on the second day, Friday, hmm. obviously cut day. And oh, it probably only changes. It probably only changes when you're on the cut line. Otherwise <laughs> I don't, I don't think there's any reason to play any differently, whether you're guaranteed one, two, three, or four rounds. You're in theory, you're going out there and trying to shoot the best score you possibly can without making a whole lot of bogeys. So the only reason to press or to play differently, if there's a cut, is if you're really if you're right on the cut line and you know you have to make a birdie on the last hole or you don't make the cut. So otherwise, I don't think there's an I don't think they would play any differently knowing that they have two versus four. I think they may, if they have like an early double bogey or something, for example, like even the other week when Tom Kim had that eight right away, we all thought goodbye. But like, even if that happened now, we'd be like, man, he'll be fine. It's four days. So I think 72 holes. But do you think he played any differently? So so you say you you think he played differently after that? He probably was like, now I'm in house money mode. And if I go after pins and do some more birdie work, then I'm taking care of that. Versus a guy in a no-cut event has an eight right away. I don't think he's going like, I have to go out of my way to birdie seek in certain points. Maybe he's less, or he's more conservative, less aggressive. I think. He obviously did make a lot of birdies after that, but I don't, I don't know if I'm convinced that he was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to. Fire no, I think his putter got hot, and he like was laughing about how hot his putter got. Oh, yeah, didn't he make like a, like a million feet of putts or something? So, yes. mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced that strategy changes unless you're right yeah, on the cut line and got to push. Yeah, so I I'm there with Josh. Golf, okay. no matter what, is a rhythm sport, and mm, totally. to your point, I I think you can add both both uh, variables here, where Tom Kim. Gets that eight. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. He's looking at it like, well, there's nothing else that I can do from here other than just play the best golf I possibly can. And so, you know, I I think in a, in a way it frees you up. I think if it if if Kim were to be like even par after the first day, because I think he ended up being four under or something like that. Or yeah, it was like under. ended up two two or three under. Yeah, because he shot like seven or eight under after that that quad well let's say he's at even par maybe even just one over when he goes into that next day that's going to be on his mind because he's trying to still make the cut and he still has to hit to a certain number so i think that that plays more into it but being at three under or four under starting the day you're just like mm-hmm. well shoot whatever just happened back there is not even a big deal and it's like he, he he got to play with a bunch of freedom so i think with this no cut event it all depends on how hard this golf course is because if if you were to go into this and just have that mindset of well, there's four rounds, I don't have to worry about anything. I can shoot at all the pins. You could end up being ten over par and be the, one of the best golfers, you know, in this field, just playing a stupid round of like a stupid mindset going into it. So I think it all depends on the rhythm that the golfer is playing in, or that that hat that he has playing in this event, and how easy the course is, really. Um, I, I, my, our friends at Fantasy National, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to use their website. Um, they have a little convenient cause I do the narratives on Twitter. I mean, dine real cheat and I have a tweet each week about 
different themes. And one of them, I wanted to do no cut. And I was like, what are the no cut events? And then I started clicking them over here like an idiot. And then I was like, oh, wait, just kidding. There's a no cut button on Fantasy National. So then you can sort by no cut. There are certain players that on average over the last few years play better in no cut events. So then that could be a thing. I don't know. Xander was one of the names. It was JT that I, in my head, I always thought of as somebody. You know who those, you know who those golfers are, Chad? They're just the, I guess Luke Liss's star there. That's it might be an outlier, but otherwise they're just just better golfers. No, I know. Better golfers are better in no cut events because they have four rounds to play golf and to be good at golf. But and the worst golfers told me that Xander be shit at golf. Everyone said Xander's better at no cut events. This is the thing. Yeah, because he's really good and he can figure out how to play good golf over four days. Small if he only has two rounds, he might he might fuck up one round and be dead. Where he might have he might have been able to play three really good rounds because he's small a very good golfer too. You got to remember that's nice a small that sample. Fantasy National allows us to just click a button. I was trying to do like real work and it was like, oh wait, they already did. It. That is nice. Yeah, but I don't know if it's going to help you. Apparently, according to our two golfers, it doesn't. So it's just random or a just happenstance or whatever. Um, that's fine. Great. But there are other strategies. Do you think that someone is going to get extra cute this week, Eric? Quagnus Martins, do you think you need to get cute and just go out of your way this week now more than ever? Because everybody's got a chance. Everybody's got four days. So you just go out of your way. Click a shitty random name that's in bad form in 6K range. It's going to be great. It's going to work for you because they're low-owned. Do we do that? Oh, you're, you're asking me if you want to get cute when building lineups on DraftKings by clicking somebody like Kurt Kitayama at 6,000 or and at anything. 8%. And he's at 8%. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a – yeah. No, I think there's, I think the winners of, of some massive G, GPP that – garners the uh, top prize for 50k or whatever you enter is going to have one of these guys down there just like Sepp Straka last week half a percent owned he some some and somebody owned it and one of the I I think I entered the five dollar I just put one lineup in a bunch and I just it's interesting to look at he was owned and that person won fifty thousand fucking dollars because they they took a flyer and now that strategy probably didn't work for them for years, and maybe they are even now. Be, but, but that's still kind of, yeah, right, yeah. But it's still kind of cool. I don't know how you, uh, I don't know how you predict that. I just think it is. It's kind of a, a roll the dice down here because I mean, there's a lot of names: Cage Lee, Hoagie, Merritt, Leash, Putnam, Mullinax, Steele, Glover. Last week popped, and yeah, sixty one hundred this week. I mean, I don't know. I mean. He's he's actually been a good golfer historically. True. So and his name is yeah. Lucas. We love Lucas. Darbo, typically <laughs> and historically, we do. Martin doesn't Martin's doesn't know. He's just guessing from his gut. But like on a no-cut event where there's a guaranteed four rounds from everyone on the board, typically they don't if they don't withdraw, do you implore explore, implore, implore? Deplore, deploy deploy the strategy of stars and scrubs do you go more tens because you just know that those guys are going to rise and then the 6k's got more chance or is it better to pepper the 8k range and 9k range 
and just go with the good guys that get four rounds? Are we trying to pepper the sixes or go with the eights? Um, I'm actually going to pull up the spreadsheet that you Oh, you have stats over. on this? Yeah, I do. Hmm. Um, There's proof the, the, in the data. The The long answer, or the short answer, I should say, is you still share go 10 screen. Can you share it? Oh, it's going to be... Yeah, I can share my screen. It's just going to be really... Um, well, you don't want to because it's proprietary information. I, no, 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 no. no. It, it's fine. It's just it's going to be confusing and an eyesore to some people. Well, we but want I, to know the real joke. stats because we can guess with our gut that you shouldn't play 8K names, but like sort of, I think it, I think it is one of those things that you just need to pick the right 10K, the right 9K, the right 8K, and then you got to pick the right flyer. And like, it doesn't I'm, really matter. I'm sure I'm sharing my screen. So if you want to throw it out oh, there, oh. Josh, you're the producer of this program. You claim to be on Twitter. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is of uh, the super season, of course. This isn't anything within this last year, but like if we use the CJ Cup, you can kind of see the the amount of golfers uh, what their price tag Martin, was. Martin, what do you think about this? The GPP winning lineup, but like the like CJ this. Cup, you had two 10Ks Ooh. and four 7Ks, so that kind of matches your stars and scrubs. Yeah, the Zozo had your 10.98777 build. Ooh. Um, Tournament of Champions started with a 10K, then went to three eights, a seven, and a six. Um, the hmm. Workday Championship had zero 10Ks, but three 9Ks and eight. Oh, that's a seven, my build this week. Yeah. Morikawa burns uh, in. We don't really have to look at the match play. That doesn't really <laughs> matter. Um, Masters is well, close this to being no data. So it isn't. Quagnus, just from seeing this, what do you think? What do you take away? Gosh, what's going I, through I, your mind, Eric? Eric's like this. <laughs> I know. I'm, 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 I'm like this. <laughs> Just there, right? like, give me all the data. Yeah. No, it looks like. Well, you tell me, Darbo, man. Like, is there? Yeah, a Darbo might know. Common. Oh, he's got averages or... down there. Yeah. So where is the I mean, spreadsheet? Is this on your computer? Yeah. Yeah. This is. I've actually shared this as a part of my. Uh, Does ownership matter? Uh. uh YouTube video. So if you guys oh, want hmm. to actually go in here, I made this shareable for everybody. So any anyone can go and look at this. I just didn't cover these these frequencies for like salaries. This hmm. was just for me. I just messed around with this original spreadsheet that I had, um, just to like look into this and then create a video about it later on, which maybe I'll do during the off season. But yeah, I mean, to me, you. I always say this, and I'll always be an advocate for this. You start with the template of the 10.98.776 model. because. Yeah, what do you think about that, Josh Bennett? Does you think, do you think price matters? Um, no, what do you think about this? Are you going to do something different I'm based listening. on... Yeah. Do, yeah. I'm, con I'm, so, I'm convinced that what we are... Like, what we've done before clearly isn't predicting shit so like i think we have to i think as an industry <clears throat> gonna like maybe this is a different topic for maybe the after show but i think overall the nfl fantasy industry has solved things much better than when my dad was starting in fantasy football back in 1998 or wherever where we were like 
he gets touchdowns. Like we don't really look, we never looked into stuff and we never dug down deep into how they're doing it today in terms of making decisions on who to click in fantasy football. So I believe that the, the way that looking at strokes gain stats, putting them into a model, fitting them with the course fit like that, it may be okay. Or I don't know. I, I, it, I just don't think it's, it's as predictive as I would want it to be in order to then invest thousands of dollars. So at this point, I feel like as an industry, as a whole, it might be better if, if everybody goes about it a different direction and tries to, to land on the moon differently because we're not landing on the moon the same. We're all failing, literally. I feel like. <laughs> Chad, you got some good feedback here. Okay. <laughs> oh, I caught him off. I'm, I'm, I, dude. I've been drinking since 12:30. I played. Michael, I played we've been telling Chad to shut the fire today. Had a new body. So Sorry, Darbo. Keep going. The okay. The, right. the, the only piece I was gonna add is I always think you want to start with the 10.98.776 model, and I always mm-hmm. advocate for that. For that, and I say this to in my in all my strategy videos or all my preview videos. You get two substitutions. So you can, you know, substitute one 10K for, say, another 9K. Or you can substitute one 6K for another 7K, depending on how the salaries work. So you can see this BMW Championship lineup down here already has your 876 in there. Well, it's missing another 7. Remember our Mm. 1098, 776. So what you could say is you sub down from a 10 to another 9. So we added another 9 in there. And we subbed up from another 7 to another nine that's how we have three nines here so when i say that because i've looked at every single you know i've done a pretty in-depth analysis of of most of the the um the salary builds when it comes to each Hmm. tournament and you never really fall away from that like you're never going to have four eight k's in uh in an optimal lineup or even a gpp winning lineup you're always going to have a seven or a six maybe even two sevens but you're going to have that bottom, that bottom, you know, whatever you want to call it, bottom salaries. Um, you're going to have at least two of them in your lineups, if not three. Do you that, think that's be- no, Do you think that's because you need the ten, and then it doesn't allow you? You need to, you. The, you need to just choose the, or is it? Is it more just you the need six the is winner. killing it? No, you need the winner. So then you and need the, winner, the ten probably. Here's a here's a stat I haven't yet uh, looked into, but I, I I probably should is how frequently does a ten nine eight or just say a ten a ten k or a nine k finish inside the top three? I bet you it's pretty damn close to a hundred percent. So you would hmm. want a ten or a nine k in Got your it. lineup regardless. So that means that time... you take a six by default, and so the six is in the optimal because it's not because the six is good; it's because the ten is right. better than the nine on average for and, one year. And there are times where a 6K or a 7K is the winner of the tournament, but then you'll see a 10K in second or in third or in fourth or in fifth. Yes, and you need them. Right. And there have been times where you either have like one 10 and a, a nine. I can't remember if it was the Wyndham Championship or if it was last week's championship where the optimal lineup was like 44,300. I think it was last week. Um, okay. And it was. If you looked at the top 10 of that leaderboard, just salaries alone, you only had one 10 and you only had one nine. And I think you had 
uh, Morikawa, who was 8,700 or something like that. Um, <laughs> and you just inside the top 10, you could not, you couldn't have six players that would have equaled a salary $49,000 or greater. I think it might've been just at 49,000. So you had to grab someone uh, that was in 12th place or 13th place or whatever. So, <laughs> so yeah, last week was one of those anomalies, but you still needed a 10. You still needed a nine. Um, I think the GPP winner had that in his lineup. I think he had a 10, a, a nine and two eights, or maybe a, a 10 and two eights, something like that. So yeah, that's why you want a seven and a six in your lineups. Um, just because it ends up working out that way. I'm done. I'm done. No, shout out to else. Michael for sure. Um, Darbo, tell him where <laughs> to find you each week, twice a week, at least. Sweet spot DFS. Preview videos Mondays, strategy videos Tuesdays. Usually I do uh, prize picks on Wednesdays, but I forgot to do it this week again. A little, little lazy on that, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, <clears throat> let me share my screen now that we're doing shares. Let's just share each other's screens, guys. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, it's not going to let me. Something's wrong with something. Okay, either way, but I can tell you the most owned names. It's so much better if I show it, though. So hold on. Let me try to see if I can figure out how to show it. Um, the, the next topic of conversation about the no-cut strategy I guess we're kind of gone through all of that. I mean, you, let's see. Um, oh, the leaving $1,500 off the table like that, we can't do. Ownership. Do you eat all the chalk? Can you eat chalk? You have to eat chalk at some point this week. Do you not? Yeah, because it's a, it's a limited field event. Like, you're only, you only have so many golfers. I'm sure, you know, two of our 10K golfers are going to be 20... 20 plus, you know, percent owned. I think like in that right. tournament of champions, Rom was like 38% owned in that event and you, you needed them in your lineup. So I don't know who that is this week. I'm, I'm sure you'll show us. This is so there, there are going to be people that uh, they're probably, I shouldn't say going to be since we're like the last show, but there are people that advocate for leaving a whole bunch of money on the table. And the reason for that is because all the ownership is going to shoot to the top because of the limited field. So if you just skip all the people at the top that you said are 20%, well, now you're getting into like seven dudes or not seven, like four dudes that are 7K and you're leaving about 1,500 on the table and they're all 10% owned. Well, cool. You got all the low ownership, but now you got all shitty golfers. So... I, I guarantee there are people that have advocated for that, but that's just that's crazy town. Okay, I can't I, I can't share the screen. It's stupid. You can go to our Discord channel and you can look at this spreadsheet that will show you. I will describe it that Cameron Young is obviously number one right now, and Tony Finau number two. John Rom, Justin Thomas, and Rory McIlroy round out the top five, and they're in twenty percent owned territory. So the top five twenty percent or plus owned. Young, Finau, Rom, JT, Rory. You know what? Work? Is this what you're looking for, Chad? Oh, you can do it. But see, I did. Oh, I'll send you the new one then. I just up. I just updated the new one. Okay, send me Chad, the new one. 
I spent a lot of time updating it. And then I added in actually a spot where it shows that top 25 with the new top 25. So we can look at who's compare and we can compare it. I've just sent it to you. I'm using my Edina Realty email and it's sending it. I'm an Edina Realty agent. I actually have a listing meeting in the morning. I can't get too many more beers in me. <laughs> and I haven't even made lineups. You guys don't make lineups before Wednesday late night, right? No. No, Did it work? That Did thing. it send it to you? <clears throat> um, and then hold on, we got to make lineups too. So, and we have to factor in ownership, especially this week in certain situations. Maybe you don't do it as much because it, it can't. You have to eat some chunk, like I said. Okay, scroll over to the right there, and you can see the top twenty-five most owned names. You can have access to this spreadsheet that's being shown on YouTube on the Discord. Uh, is there anything different about left and right? Can you do like, let's see. Oh, Scheffler's moving down. Morikawa's moving up. You can see that Cantlay's moving down. Can you unhighlight it? It looks very grainy. Thank you. Where's Zalatoris now on the right? Oh, he's down. He's moving. No, nah, slightly. I mean, there's just a little bit of shift from the left side, which was this morning, and then the right side, which is now. So there it is, the top five. And then Colin Morikawa is the sixth most owned. He's got the burden of the house bet. So I doubt he'll do well based on how <laughs> my season of house betting has gone. Um, although, you know, I'm not a tout anymore. So just do it for fun. We're having fun. We're picking Colin Morikawa for the house bet. Martins, he's $9,400. What the hell is going on here? Is Colin Morikawa due for a win and bounce back being himself? I I mean, I, I we like what we saw last week. And is, he in your, is he in your lineup? Yes. Good. Okay. Which is bad. Josh, no, producer Josh, not. who is the ability to share a screen. Maybe I can share my Chrome tab. I'm not even sure. Do you have a okay. oh, no, you don't. Can you see this? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. So it wasn't allowing me to uh show my uh Excel file, whatever reason. So now it's showing me it's letting me show this. There's still room to to join this contest that I made versus 75 people for 20 bucks. Martins, you said you're gonna play for 20 bucks. Here's what I have right now. Tell me this is gonna be duped. <laughs> Well, if you're going to eat, yeah. eat this chalk, you can't you can't then eat chalk down here. So this is, well, in this chalk. So, like, I'm eating chalk. I'm, again, I made this lineup on the first look podcast that I did on Monday. I actually did a first look. I had time to do one, so I did it. But and I haven't changed it yet. I haven't made lineups other than the narratives. Do you guys want to start Zalatoris, Finau, Cam Young? Or is that too chalky? Uh, I want to go chalkier, Chad. I want to go John Rom, Finau, Cameron Young. Oh That's what I want. Rom is Oh God! Yeah, I want to be the most chalky in the top and take. Is that a good strategy everybody. for a no cut event? Yeah, I'm. I'm taking all the money from everybody, starting with these three guys. Ooh. Yeah, and then you just got to do something different with your last three. Correct. I might even okay, put so Aaron Wise in that lineup. Wise, yep. <laughs> wise. <laughs> See, look at you. all you guys just right there. We're just except for Josh, just like wise. What? Yeah. No, I know, but that's I like Aaron Wise. Too, I think. 
Look at that that remaining salary. That is that's a sexy remaining salary. I'll tell you. Sixty five hundred for the final two names. That means yeah, you got to go. Probably range is loaded. What's your favorite name in the six K range that you're using? Are you using Grio? Because everyone else is. I mean, Can we I, talk I, about I, the I, most owned in the six K range. Pull it back. I think that's probably Josh. Let's see the most owned in the six K range. I'll bring it back up. And it's oh wait, scroll over to the, the left. Important. Go to the left, in the middle, and then down. Look at that. I sort it for you. That is Emiliano Grillo. He is 6,600. He's 11% on. You got Molinax and Taylor Moore, both over 10%. And then Wyndham Clark flirting with 10%. Stallings, Munoz, Luke List, Steele. Okay, let's go to the bottom of this list, and that'll show you. I'm loving what I'm seeing on here, by the way. Kucher, one of my guys, our guy is, from last week who fucked us all. Oh yeah, didn't he? He done. Well, who's me. your name, Darbo? No, I'm not giving that away. I, oh, I yeah. see. I know nice. people in our league are listening. I still have to make up points, and oh, I had I had at least three of my names yesterday or last week duped uh, with some of these lineups. So I'm not gonna, I'm not giving away no my 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 six K. Yeah. Yeah, fuck no. You're in the you're in the hunt for the overall win of the season long yeah, points. I screwed okay. up. I didn't know I didn't know how playoffs worked, but I still no matter what, there was between two lineups and both of them did really poorly. So I think I would have yeah. then at least there's that. Yeah. Okay. So you said uh you're not gonna reveal, so then fuck you. Okay, we got uh, <laughs> what about you, Quagnus? Where did let's should we try to guess Quag? We guessed your lineup, but we were horrible at guessing it. We did guess it. Try and guess it. That was fun. So you're gonna start. That was a fun exercise. Where am I starting? You're Scheffler. Well, no, no, no. Starting... You, you clicked already. Correct. No, you're Rory. You're Rory Morikawa. See, none of you would let me talk earlier. I was gonna say how awful I thought the 10k range was, but <laughs> that would have given me a clue. I never let anyone talk. Apparently, I'm bad at that. <laughs> I get excited. I'm sorry. So eliminate the 10k range, and who do you think I'm going to click? Can't on... Oh no, Scheffler, Scheffler, big time. I'm a big fan. number one. Is he still number one golfer in the world? He's 9800. Yeah. So dumb. That's that's when he. This is when the number one golfers in the world slay. Yeah, everyone's off of them because they're under 10k. Everybody thinks they suck. DJ's number yeah. one in the world because he shot a couple 80s in a row. And then he just destroys. Yeah, and he gets angry. Um, who else would Martin's pick? Where's Poston? Why don't I you just tell us the names of the movie? Yeah, why don't we just do that? Because this is stupid. Well, I had Poston for a minute, and then and then Swish fucking made fun of me. For that lineup, no, I had, I had, I had Phenom Morikawa. Why would you not start with those two? It's a good start. Then where'd I mean, you go there? Next, what's he, what's he, what's he, he's doing great things. And then I just went with Fitzpatrick. No, I didn't go with Spieth. Sorry, these Fitz too. I did, yeah. And then the bottom, go to the bottom. Taylor Moore on a Taylor on a Moore. tear, massive chalk, sixty four hundred bucks. Yeah, Why not? Yeah. Dude, he's good. Really good. He's so good. And then I think yeah. that's probably going to leave you with, like, the option of a couple of 7,500 names. And I just yeah. went with Pendrith and 
And Davis Riley, because I don't know. Why oh, not? Oh. Great okay. choice. This looks very similar to my league lineup I built, but I'm not going to. But I might change it. Don't I'm reveal not. it. Don't reveal well, it. Well, I'm not competing with you in league because you're already eliminated. And I'm not joining league this week for that reason. Good. Don't competing. do it. Uh, Jish, who do you want in your life? I'm starting with JT. Leads the model. Okay. Oh, should we consult the model real quick? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have the ability to pull up the model? <laughs> the ability. Uh, too much proprietary. Too much proprietary information on it. <laughs> I love the word proprietary. You have JT <laughs> number one in your model. You have. You have. Z- oh no, I can pull it up. Hold on. JT. I forgot I can use Chrome. Here's Jish Swish. He's the Twitter account where he shows a model each week that is using where the golfers land their ball and how well they do from where that landing spot is to determine their potential under par score. And this one has produced this week Justin Thomas, number one. He's $10,100. Then Xander. Then Hideki. Then Sungjae, my guy. Seamus Power, even though he lost approach last week, somehow his model Seven was showing him. Seven strokes is what I was told. Um, he got Cantley, Cam Young, Russell Henley. You could look on Jish Swish's Twitter page for the top 25 names each week. And Morikawa made the top 25, which is he good did. to see. On the number. Is on Morikawa, so therefore, uh, I'm excited about that. What do you think, dude? Who then did you else? Did you? That JT Xander. No, I'm not playing the decky because I saw that he might be injured again. <clears throat> yeah, we're worried about that. Yeah. So okay, so you I'm start JT Zan. Did you say JT Xander? Yes. And you're telling me that there's no no cut theme to these people. <laughs> no cut special. These are no cut specialists, Chad. They're specialists. You know why they're no cut specialists? Because they're insanely good golfers. You want yeah, another insanely good golfer? Seamus Power, baby. Put him in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Power sucks at golf now. What he's been ruining me for two. He weeks might. In a row. He might. He actually. I think he loses. He's been losing strokes in every uh, major category the last couple. But of weeks. you're clicking him because of leverage. I'm, no, I'm clicking him because he's uh, like four, four, fifth in the model or something. Uh, playing yeah, Colin for the same reason we played him last week. He should be Four-cow? like ten two. He's nine. Four cow. What are we doing? Oh, no. <laughs> He should be ten thousand two hundred dollars. Tell me I'm he's wrong. Like, he's like, yeah, he should. yeah. Makes okay. Sense. Uh, then we're, then we got Grio, of course. Mm. Mm. I'm the wow. I'm the guy that eats the like very cheap chalk because okay. those guys are usually they fill up the stat sheets. Grio is a dog shit putter, but hopefully they'll make a couple. And then what do I got? Seventy one, seventy two hundred. Mm-hmm. Mav McNeely is like a wild price, but I I don't think I'm gonna play him. I'm going my guy Mito. Mito, oh. I knew it. I knew he'd say it. I'm he made the cut finally. There's a pretty solid theme to five of my six players, and Seamus doesn't fit this theme really. Mm-hmm. But I don't like does. Well, can we get can we get you to tilt? JT something? Xander, Colin, Grio, Pereira, all dominate basically with their irons or ball striking. And they when they're really good, they roll in a zillion putts. And when they're really bad, they miss every cut. Well, you should pick. I Keegan. think that I think that's the key to, to no cut events is 
hit on the hit on the dudes that are just going to be firing real close to every flag. And if they roll in some putts, they're going to be really good. If they don't, you're going to get dead last. Okay, go back to this sheet and let's look at the 8K range for ownership. This is the most. I don't have an 8K guy. I don't think. No, I don't. I don't care. I just want to look at it because. That's where maybe you can make a click and get different. You got to scroll up a little bit, Jish. I'm not using Hold on, hold on. I'm not. It's still like sharing, but I'm not on it. Okay, I'm on it now. Where do I got to go? Up. Scroll scroll up a tiny bit. Okay, Cameron Young will show you as the chalk of the week that he's way more owned than Neiman, who's second. And then that guy is more owned than Wise, who's third. Holy crap. And then Connors is there, Adam Scott. Martins, are you interested in any of this chalk? And are you going to build more than one lineup, do you think, Quagnus? No, I'm not going to build more than one lineup, so I don't really care about any of this chalk. Okay, there's a, there's one name in there that is wildly low-owned. Uh, Mr. Spieth? Oh. No, Spieth. He's a, I saw somebody tweet he hasn't been priced less than 9 k in like two years or something like that. What? Oh, wow. And <laughs> like... It's he had like a, a bad tournament here or there. Darwell, but... can you fact check that? <laughs> Which one speed? Somebody tweeted. Somebody tweeted. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm regurgitating. I can't do it fast enough. So yeah, but I think he's played in the AK range. But yeah, he should be much more owned, especially if these greens are insanely large. Like that's that's all. The speed sheet I'm looking at. Um, and your sheet, it looks like it was a little different than mine. But there's like three dudes above 8K that are going to be less than 10%. Oh, yeah, yours says it too, basically. Spieth, Hideki, Lowry. Okay, I'm ignoring Lowry because we all know that he sucks. So we're going Spieth and Hideki. They're the only two under 10%, and Hideki's injured. What's wrong with Spieth? Play that. Like, that's nuts. I didn't play him in my lineup because I I just like... He's a head case. He's a head case. Yeah, something's wrong with him right now. Who cares? There's nothing wrong with him. What was the stat? What is the stat I was looking at? Well, do you think Spieth's been lower than 9K in the last two years? Somebody tweeted Uh, that. He was. Genesis Scottish Open, he was 8,900. I regurgitated a bad tweet. Yeah, thanks a lot, Josh. I knew that was a (laughs) fraud. Genesis are perpetuating fraud. He was... Here's my guy, Brick. Brick75. Brian Hooper, he's got Rom, Rory, Scheffler as the top three. This is why you don't. This is why you don't take tweets at face value, boys. Well, that's why <laughs> these are projections. You have to be very careful that my idiot beer gut brain is probably wrong. Combined with the two websites that I use, that are probably wrong. So we have three wrong idiots trying to make a right. And then we got another guy over here doing something totally different, telling me that Scheffler, and he doesn't know. Well, do we know what contests he's referring to? Does he is he single entry guy? Is he 150 max ownership projections? You can't do the same ownership projections for the mass multi entry guys and then single entry guys. It's a different world. No, that's a problem. Problem. Okay. What else do we need to discuss? The most owned we did. The least owned, basically. The pivots. Sometimes we don't. Do we need to know who the pivots are? What about the 7K range, Jish? Scroll down to the lowest owned in the 7K range because sometimes you can find gems in the Sheamus Power. Oh, my God. He's the lowest owned at the 7K Hell, range. yeah. There you go, Josh. You're in leverage world. This is where I got the leverage play, baby. Denny digging in the dirt. No one wants him. No one wants Siwoo or Billy Horschel and Maverick McNeely. I'm going to bank heavily this week if I've got my McNeely 
McCarthy and Billy Ho in my lineups? Hell yes. I'm going to click a lot of that chalk or the pivots, whatever they're called. Uh, we don't need to do that, though, do we? Because it doesn't even fucking matter. No one cares. You can click whoever you want, right? Should we right. be done with the program? We've rambled on a lot. We remember Chad, here Chad, I the teased, program. I teased on my Twitter uh, the birdie or better stat, so we should do that now. You don't want to do that on the after show? Okay, fair enough. Or do you want to do that on the after show? Do it now. Do it now because Martins doesn't wait for the after show because he doesn't have time for us. Nobody has time for us. doesn't wait for the after show. Actually, there were people that waited for us all the way at the end. Where did I have that? I got got multiple messages during the show asking me when I was going to say that. I think they're bored with us and they're just fucking sitting here waiting for me to convince them not to use birdie or better percentage. Well, that's the only thing. We conned them into sitting here for 52 minutes and I didn't spew my stat. So I think I should do that. And I can't. I can't remember where I had this. I can't find it. Why don't you just tell me what your thoughts are? You had, you had, well, what you, you wanted to talk about using uh, opportunities gained or birdie or better percentage. Um, oh, that's right. I did a, I did a poll at some point. You did. Anyways. And so, cause I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Do you want a guy that's made birdies or more often, or do you want a guy that's had the potential to make birdies, but has not, con- uh, you know, cashed in on those opportunities because sometimes we know in golf we'd rather have the guy that's poised to have it go his way than the guy that's gotten his way a lot so sometimes you want to go after those opportunities versus the actual birdies that had happened so i was confused on who likes what and why why, right now it's like more more people like birdies are better gained it says they people love birdies are better and it's because they love history and not what could or may happen. But here's the here's the stat. And you and you kind of alluded to it, which makes me laugh. You said you want the guys that make way more birdies or something like make way more birdies or something. No, no, no. They've converted the birdies. I want the guys right, that exactly. converted, the converted way more birdies, whatever. Mm-hmm. Birdie or better percentage. Cam Smith, number one on the PGA tour, 26.82%. It's like 4.8 birdies around. This I brought this up a few different times. Putting Michael, I'm putting Michael in timeout. He can go fuck himself. Is, my, is he? Is he I'll telling me? Michael, you motherfucker. <laughs> you're blocked Love for it. five minutes. You're in timeout, telling me that everybody else is great and I'm the one that's over talking. Guess what? It's my show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll get another beer and I'll let these kids talk. But he's, he's in timeout. Four point eight birdies around. Mentioned this a whole bunch of times. Darbo and I have agreed on this a whole bunch of times. When you're looking at stats on the PGA Tour website or from Fantasy National or wherever the hell you get them from, if you're you if you're just using the flat out rankings, like Cam Smith is one, Kyle Stanley's two hundred and two, that means that means Cam Smith is a million times better. You, you got to play him over Kyle Stanley. You got to be careful when you do that. And this is an ex- the exact reason why. Cam Smith, 26.82% birdies. That's like 4.8 around. Uh, the highest in this tournament, by the way, is JT right below Cam Smith, 26.8%. Last on tour, like I mentioned, Kyle Stanley, 17.57%. That's like 3.16 birdies around. So they make – or Cam Smith makes less than two birdies around than Kyle Stanley – one of them's number one. One of them is number 200. 
So like one birdie around, you you can't make decisions in your lineups based on one birdie. You can't just guess on that. That's my opinion. You can if you want. Though by the way, worst in this field, Straka, nineteen point five one percent. So it's three point five. The difference there is like one point three birdies. So when we're saying this guy makes way more birdies because his birdie birdie or better percentage is higher or his ranking is higher. It's not really that much higher. He only makes one, maybe two more birdies around. So you can use it, but you have to be careful with what that means. And also, this is just average. We don't know how they got to that average. There are guys that got to their average because they made 12 one round and they made two another round and 12 another round and two another round and got to whatever their average is. There are other dudes. I, I bet Will Zalatoris makes the – like tour average in birdies and he just average 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 because that's how he plays golf so you got to think about how they get there and so when i when i'm using birdie or better percentage i do use it kind of but i take into account how they probably got there and so that's why i'm using people like jt like xander like grio because i think when they're making birdies they're making birdies in bunches because they're really good at approach. And when they make a lot of birdies, they roll in a lot of putts. And when they don't make a lot of birdies, it's because they don't make putts. But if you're talking about just like the average guy, well, they're probably just going to be average forever. So may, maybe they'll have a good round. Maybe they won't. In no-cut events like this, you want the guys that are going to potentially pop off and have four rounds of the high ones. And then next week have four rounds of the low ones. So – yeah. I think you I said on my Twitter I talk you out of using it. I think you can use it and you maybe should use it, but you got to be careful with what it means because the difference between 1 and 202 or whatever Kyle Stanley is is nothing. <laughs> he's like yeah, he's like okay. 202. So what do, we, what do you think that, about that Darbo? Mind use birdie better percentage. I'm guessing Darbo mostly agrees. Yeah, I 1000% agree. Uh, and the, to add on to what Josh was just saying there, Tournament of Champions, I'm sure, gets lumped into this. And what was the winning score there? 33 under? That's an unfair advantage for, like, the Cam Smiths of the world that, you know, he won that at 33 under. Um, you know, I don't think Kyle Stanley was there, you know. <laughs> he probably was right. at some of the, you know, like the 3M Open or something, and he probably put a bunch into the water. You know, it, it's it's an unfair a lot of these statistics are unfairly looked at. Um, analysis just in golf and in, in this DFS industry is just surface level. It's and it's yeah. Yeah. We I mean we've said this for multiple shows in a round in a row now, because we've been talking about stats a lot. When you're when you're looking at stats, most of the stats that you're that you're looking at are very surface level, like you said. You gotta you gotta dive into the stat and into the stat that you're specifically looking at and what exactly it means. If you're just going off of Cam Smith or this field doesn't matter. So JT number one in birdies are better. Gotta lock him in. Well, you don't you don't exactly know what that means. So <laughs> you gotta, no, you don't dive in dive into what that percentage is over eighteen holes if you need to and compare that to who the worst person. It could be depending on the stat. It could be big. Like this one, it could be really small. And then go deeper than that. Well, how do they get to being that close? 
I'm guess I'm guessing JT probably has a whole bunch of rounds where he makes six, seven, eight birdies in in the round, and then a whole bunch more that he makes like two, because that's he's a good approach player and not like a great putter. So that's just how it's gonna happen. So yeah, I mean we've said this a whole bunch of different shows basically in a row. Be careful with this. So we really want to know if you're all in or not. Are you guys all no. in? No, not this time. I don't know. Oh. Maybe is he fading? Because he peaked a little bit, I think. Maybe. And then we're on bent. We don't know. Maybe we might be all in. What about what all Tom, Kim? Are we all Tom Kim? Because he just no, changed I, his. I miss. Uh, I miss Michael Cox's comments. Did you unblock him yet? <laughs> no, I forgot. I I, I I didn't realize how long five minutes was. He's a he uh he he DM'd me earlier. He's gonna be mad at you now. Hopefully he doesn't block no, me because you I went even an overreaction. Hey, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm known to do that. But anyway, Tom Kim changing caddies. I don't know if I care about that. Doesn't matter. Will's Will's Del Torres just haven't we had this conversation before too? That the well, like, back. the caddy doesn't really matter. <laughs> What do you think about an average approach distance this week? Did he did uh did he just send it or was that a pre-block one? No, he's back. He's loud. Okay, so <laughs> I I love this question actually because and we've addressed this before. The uh, average approach distance that's actually not even a good stat to look at because your long hitters don't approach it the same distance as your short hitters. So if if you're just going into a tournament and the tournament says average approach is 150 yards and you just start ripping lineups because no, of the top we, guys from we're 150 not, we don't need to talk about that. We're losing viewers and everyone knows. No, no, no. Not, well, that's because we've been going on for over an hour about dumb shit. Oh, this <laughs> is important wants. stuff, Chad. We're up to 15 yeah. watching now. I don't know what you guys are talking I, about. We already know you're not supposed to do the like bucket system. No, you're supposed to do the bucket system, not the bucket. Yes. Don't, don't bucket approach shots because Rom is gonna have way shorter approaches than Troy Merritt. You can't you can't do an average because it's golf doesn't work that way. Okay, so we're having fun. We're doing our thing. We did our thing. Is it over? Should we be done? Martins, do you have to go put kids to bed? Or do you have to go get in your pool? You gotta go jump. Go do a cannonball. You gotta stay a little longer. Come on, man. Martins, do you ever do late night swimming in your new pool? You have a new pool? Yeah, Martins got a new pool. He doesn't want to brag about it, so I'm bragging for him. Oh, rich guy, new pool. Hit the music. Let's do the after show. Come on, backyard like a rich person. Yeah, music. <laughs> Thank you for playing that guitar, Eric, on the way out. <clears throat> no, uh, we will need you, though, at some point. Um, there's a few things in these after shows that I wish you were here for. But the after Bring show. Bring it up right now. Quick, oh, I had a lot of to say to, to Josh there, but I couldn't couldn't really. What do you got? Hit, hit me before you leave. <laughs> No, I think I I think that uh, Chad, you'll you'll agree with me. NFL way easier to predict if you go onto their like stats. Like these are teams that are that are so predictable in what they do with their like how their usage of various plays and runs and passes and, and plays and things. And these guys that go in on it hardcore, 
and their predictive models probably make a lot of sense to yes to uh to pay for whereas like we're sitting here like oh yeah this guy makes seven birdies around and this guy makes five birdies around i'm gonna try and predict when that happens each week like we're talking about people who who are waking up in the morning and their back hurts and they're pissed off because they didn't get an invite to the live tour but they have to play on the pga tour for a, a few million bucks anyways so then they're like ah should i should I go for it or not? And then when things happen, like there's the variables of, of a PGA tour player that we're trying to wager money on compared to like a, a, a professional football team where like, you've got a coach that's like, no, you're going to fucking run this route right now because we do this X amount of times because we've got X amount of coaches up here that have run all the data against this team. All this stuff is like very trackable. We don't have that. It's not the same. We've we talked about this years ago, Chad. You know this. When it came to like when we were trying to compare the PGA tour and no, like we stat- wanted to make money, Martins. We want to win money predicting golfer performance. We wanted to win DraftKings GP. We wanted, to, yeah. And we thought we could do predictions and like guess right. And like, just I have something to add. recognize. You just have Darbo to has something to say. Darbo, what do you what what is your no 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 I want Quagnus to, to finish, but I do have something to add. I, I think I want to get your opinion on this too, by the way, before you leave Quagnus. Uh, yeah. But I do think we can get to that level of prediction. It just takes a lot of analysis to do. And it this industry like is that. so, it's so fast. You know, a tournament ends Sunday. The stats get updated Sunday night, sometimes Monday morning. And like right away, we're like, well, I think all the people that are dumb do all of their like uh, breakdowns on a Sunday night before the tournament's update and all the stats have been updated. They try to do a course preview and who might play well or whatever. It's just like you still need to understand the stats that just happened to bring into the next event. But uh, okay, I, I have a piece to add to this. It's going to be a lot longer uh, of like the analysis that I would like to see. But I don't know, uh, Quagnus, do you have anything else to add to, to what you were talking about between NFL and, and PGA? No, I think I said my piece, but I, I really enjoyed the fact that you said that we should always continually strive for, you know, the level of prediction that, that the NFL provides. But I, I think that the difference is, is we're talking about individual people in the PGA. We're talking, we're not talking about you know, a, a, an organization that has like a, uh, you know, a general manager and a CEO all the way down to the bottom right. you know, guys that are, you know, bringing towels out, you know, to but make they, sure that everything Martin, flows Martin. the right way. We're talking about two very different situations they, that you're trying to gamble on. We, I'm thinking the same, what I said earlier, when I was talking about how the rant about how we're, you know, behind That's football. What I was responding the, to. The, the, <clears throat> my dad in those people did not have access to air yards. They didn't even have access right. to targets right. per game. Like we're going to have access to stats and information that we don't even, we haven't even dreamed of yet. That's going to help us be better at our jobs. The people today in the NFL, if they were doing it the way that they did it in 1998, we would just be the same way. We'd be laughing at them. Like, right. You're not predict, you're not able to predict, but they've evolved. They've been able to to know that hey, this dude's being thrown to more. 
they didn't do that though at the beginning of fantasy football. So right. like we're I feel like it's only been about ten years that there's been DraftKings golf, and I mean that's still it's like there's only been how many years of strokes gained data, and I yes still, we can go I'd, back in time. But I'd still yeah, argue the NFL has way more ability to predict because they have yes the set field and all that stuff, but they also they they they're like they're literally twenty years ahead of us. That's just what it is. No, it's not that. It, I mean, that helps. That certainly helps with the NFL and the fact that you've got, you know, you've got coaches that are now, you know, embracing statistics as well. So you can, and you can see that happening when, when they're analyzing how they're going to face their opponents. And I'm sure that's happened over the years. But I think the big, 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 big difference is that you're talking about organizations, teams filled with 50, 60, 70 people, you know, from the quarterback to the, general manager all on down in between that that's that's one thing you can see how that thing operates we're talking about individuals and everybody here who is with you know the four of us and everybody's played golf knows one day you get five birdies the next day you get none that doesn't that actually doesn't change at all when it comes to professional level these guys yes the elites are super good but even they have their bad days too and there's no way to really predict when that bad day might come other than maybe like, I don't know, I, Josh, your, your model seems to be providing some things as far as like, oh, they hit it to here. On this course, that could be better suited for them. But even that is not foolproof. We're talking about individual people who have like mental, they have like a let mentality. Me, let me counter you, Quagnus. You, no, no, you've, you've argued that. Dude, Chad, you have said this before, and we've agreed upon it that no, but like human let's human just say that now we are better at predicting golf. It's ten years from now, and we're able to know that the ninety-two hundred dollar guy is poorly priced, and he's going to perform well, and he usually does. He executes. That person is going to actually end up being fifty percent owned or whatever, and then it's actually going to be a game theory decision on whether to now use that name or not. Right, yeah. We're making game theory that. decisions on projections that are poor. So that's why it's – it's it, plus, I don't think that the chalk gets to the level that we need to, like, fade it in a, no, in a lot of sense. Anymore. Like, Darbo, you're onto that too where, yeah, it's obvious that this week Cameron uh, – whatever his name is. The, young. Young. Young, Cameron. young. Yeah, he's going to be good. He's 89. He's not owned enough. Yeah, he's so not owned like, enough. But he's still not 46% <laughs> where you're like, holy shit. Uh, he should be 35 I mean, plus percent. Yeah, he That's could where be, Cameron he could Young be. should be. Yeah, so the, and that is exactly what used to happen in 2017, 18. And so the people in 2019 and 2020 who were like, these fucking idiots are playing these chalky 6K guys? What the hell are they doing? Everyone's being sh – the sheep are being led to slaughter. And then – that's not even happening anymore. Like, so then people are going out of their way to fade good players at poor price. You know, like we've so talked, you know you've talked about this, Darbo. Here's, here's what I would, this is, this is how I think analysis like golf analysis should be. It should be shot by shot and we should value or we should uh, um, try to put a, a success rate to each shot because Josh, I love what Josh does. He he tries to predict where a golfer is going to hit his tee shot. And then from there, you know, what type of iron play he's, you know, based off of those buckets, 
you know, what is the success rate? Well, you have success rates to there, but we don't have those success rates to, you know, that hole. And every hole has to be looked at individually. Is it a dog leg right? Is it a dog leg left? Are there trees in the way? Does this guy hit a fade? What is his success rate hitting a fade? What's the success rate hitting a draw? Um, is he going to hit a 320 yard drive or is he going to lay back and hit a 270 yard shot? What's the success rate to that? I think what we could what we what we could do the best is predict success rates, predict shots, uh, shot selection, and then the success rate to that shot selection. And then basically then they get to the green and then what is the likelihood they're going to make that eight to 12 foot putt if they succeed. So like you have to include all of these little pieces in, involved. And I think that's where the NFL has gotten to because every team has a team of 30 some analysts that are just like, okay, Michael Thomas this week, all slant plays, you know, the, the, yeah, corner he of the puts his glove up like this before the, yeah, they like, no, they like have studied it. And then when it comes to like DFS, like when it comes to DFS analysts, they're just like, well, his target share is, you know, 13, like he has 13 targets a game. And on his route running, he, he runs 70% slants. So boom, you put all that stuff into a projection. We are projecting Michael Thomas is going to have 10 catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns. More often than not, the guy catches it, you know, 10 to 13 times for 70 to 90 yards and two touchdowns. It's like how that is, is primarily has to do with all that money ball statistic stuff that you can with football. And a lot of that is also in controlled conditions, not outside, you know, no wind, no rain, none of that stuff. I mean, I don't know how, how many fields there are that are indoors or whatever, but you have all of that to incorporate. Well, then you come to golf and guess what? Josh's model has to uh, incorporate a 10 to or uh, like a 15 to 20 mile an hour wind with gusts up to 30 miles an hour. That just derails the entire projection system that he, or he would have. And that's why golf is so volatile because you can't really predict those things and you can't really throw wind. In, I mean, you could use it as a wild card. I'm sure we could come up with some kind of model that will penalize certain golfers in the wind. I think the best thing that Josh and I have ever said is distance is your raw potential. Distance equals raw potential. And the further you hit the ball, the more, the, the better, uh, the better chance you are to score low. And that's why a lot of the elite players hit the ball really far. Why is because it, it bleeds into your other strokes. Not only are you closer to the green, but then your swing speed on your seven iron will get you more than another sw- person's seven iron. It's the swing speed potentially. Go ahead, we can bring this all back, Martins, to I want you to answer what you answered on this poll. What happens more often in fantasy golf? Is it chalk that hits, the pivot that hits, the chalk that busts, or the pivot that busts? Because I've got a rant and a rave about this. And I want to ask Martins, where did you answer? I probably hit that chalk hits. Chalk hits or chalk busts were the clear far and away favorites. My rant about this is that it's 50% of the time, the chalk hits, and 50% of the time, the chalk busts. 50% of the time, the pivot hits. 50% of the time, the pivot busts. We're not – this isn't new. This is exactly how it's always been. It's impossible to predict this. This is why the game is hard. No one in the industry is talking about right now that you need to predict 
both things. People are out there saying you need to predict the good chalk. Of course, you need to predict the good chalk. But you also need to predict the bad chalk. You need to predict the pivot, of course. You need to predict the bad pivot. So you're you're trying out in your six-man lineup to land, to, to just avoid the landmines of the, the bad chalk and click the good chalk. It, we don't know which chalk itself is not inherently bad or good. One is going to hit one time and one is going to hit the other time. The same with the pivots. The same, the same goes for the pivots. So we need to literally go through the battlefield of you do need to embrace a, a chalky name and you need to have conviction that that chalky name will hit. And then you need to fade chalky names and you need to have conviction that the chalky name is going to bust. And then you need to do the same with the pivots and you need to put six of them together in a lineup. And then a lot of times it's three and three, four and two. Sometimes it's two and four, but it really doesn't matter. You need to get all six right. Like none of them matter individually. Jish, did I kind of explain what we've been te- texting about a little bit? With this yeah, whole... I think so. There is because also this board, It's not one name. Interesting. It's a combination. Well, it's in two votes, so... Um... It's interesting that people uh, uh, pick these answers. I would I would be interested to see what the actual results are. And oh, by the really? way, we have to we also have to decide what chalk even means. Is and we've already, I guess we've already talked about this, but is there even any chalk with the ownership? Is twenty percent really chalk? No, no. We just yeah discussed. It's like we're at a point where no, it's not because everyone thinks it is, so they right. don't do so it. So that's so that's what I'm saying. I, Generally, like, we're talking about chalk or no chalk, but I think just every I think everything just might be no chalk. You, <laughs> dude, if you are going into the week and you are strategizing of I'm going to fade the chalk and find right. the pivot, that is the wrong way to play because that doesn't mean you're going to win. If you end up picking the it right, doesn't mean chalk, anything. Yeah, so you have to find, you have to almost, you have to use a combination of all six spots like Darbo does with his bucket system to kind of hit a different here, different there, different here, different there. And it has, it can't be, and I've proven it with the narratives that it can't be all fades of the chalk and all fades or all takes of the pivot and vice versa. Well, last week, Three of the top seven guys were in the GPP top, or I'm sorry, three of the top seven owned golfers were in the GPP winning lineup. Three of the top seven. So, like, to win a mega profit, you need to find out which chalk's going to be good, which chalk's going to be bad, which pivot's going to be good, which pivot's going to be bad, and then you got to combine them all together. That's fucking hard. So, that's why this isn't something you should do for a lot of money, maybe. Martin. <laughs> God, you haven't said that before. I mean, I'm warning people out there because, like, I play for low stakes, and that's enough, even. Yeah, it is enough. Um, and also, in other words, ownership actually doesn't matter. That is the truth. Because you, like Darbo mentioned, and has mentioned a lot, need to pick the fucking winner. So if everyone's on Zalatoris, and you decide to fade him because he's too chalky, and he wins, you lose. You're dead. Plus, just because 
you fade the most popular names on a regular basis doesn't mean that when you go after the pivots and they hit that you're going to win. So like fading the chalk and the chalk misses, you still lose fading or grabbing the pivot and the pivot wins. You still could lose. Like this is a possible game. I'm telling you, you have to get very lucky. Darbo has also mentioned falling in love with the six K name that no one likes. I'm sorry to say. Go out on a limb that week and, and pretend that you knew it was Sepp Straka's bounce back time to shine. And then you can be you can go to Twitter and claim to be an expert because you got lucky. But it's not it's not luck because you did it right. You do what you like we're saying, but we don't do it ourselves because we just go after the truck because it feels good. I was gonna say, can we just it can we just talk about how pathetic it is? Uh, the conversation of leverage and like how little leverage you get for oh, pivoting yes. from certain, like from pivoting from a twenty percent guy to a twelve percent guy, that's pathetic in my opinion. Like <laughs> to to jump around and reward ourselves, we give ourselves pats on the back for just dropping eight percent to another guy because it was in the name of leverage is fucking pathetic. Honestly, yeah. and and that's just one person in a six-person lineup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just oh, those those little celebrations people do just uh, they're pathetic. They're pathetic. It's so minuscule that it would take someone, I think, a thousand weeks of of gaining these advantages to actually see a monetary value for that lever. The leverage doesn't equate to actual dollars. It could have potentially when you fade people in other sports. Like I can't, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not a big ownership leverage fader mind. Like a lot of these statistical people out there. I mean, there's a guy that's talking about how he loves to let people win with chalk at 60% of the time because he can win with fades at 40% of the time. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me that you would be happy about winning 40% of the time and not be happy about winning 60% of the time. Like, I don't Yeah, there are people out there that are like, you know what? I don't care if I have a 20% hit if the leverage, you know, doesn't perform better than chalk. It's like, what? Are you really? Because they think over the long term they're going to win more, but I – I still I don't believe that it's the same shit. Every what, single the week. question is, what is the long term? How many years what? are we talking? <laughs> and by the way, Chad, we know a lot of people that are saying this have only been playing DFS for like four or five months. Or, or I feel like they not only that they do apply their five hundred and fifty-five dollar lineup strategy to what everyone else in the industry and on planet earth is normally doing, which is a dollar or $5 or, you know, so like, then they're like, Oh yeah, you got to use leverage. It's like, yeah, you got to use leverage when you're playing for five fifty five when it hey. really is chalk and that is condensing. That's what last week, the Thunderdome didn't have a guy in it or a, a person, a DFS player in it that had better than 50% of their guys making the cut. And they all chose conservative lineup builds. One guy had one player make the cut and nobody chose a 6K golfer. It was all balanced builds that ended up. It's like, so these top price guys, which 
for whatever reason get named the sharps of the world like i can't that that bothers me um terrible terrible lineups martins has like, to I go would... he's texting me he's leaving okay so bye martins he, he thinks wanna... there was flow he thinks we had flow he's a fool he do we ever have leave? flow on this show i don't think there's ever flow I think we're just kind of like sharp peaks and valleys just bouncing all over the Every place. once in a while we go on a roll, yeah. I mean, it depends on where Chad brings us and how his brain Well, that's the problem. I mean, it's been an hour and 23 minutes, and it's been a long day for me. Um, I've got a lot of other topics, but was there something – Jish, you were like – were you mad about something? I can't remember. You're always mad about something. I don't Maybe know. you were. I'm not. No, I don't actually get mad about anything. No, I, you ranted I, about your. Uh, you already ranted about your problem. I did. I did rant about the birdies are better percentage. Yeah, the end of the pod. Somebody, somebody tweeted. I don't know if he actually watched, but he tweeted at me a few minutes ago that he uses this stat. Let me read it. It's in my model every week. I want guys who get birdies every week. So, isn't if that's the case? If that's the case, shouldn't everybody in the field be in your model? They all get birdies. Give, give plus or minus one birdie. They all make them. Yeah. So shouldn't yeah. they all be Darbo? Am I thinking about that right? If you're if you're looking at that stat and that equates to I want people in my model or in my lineup that make birdies. If that's your stat they're using, in theory, you should use number one and number two hundred and two in your player pool. I mean, without context, yes. If if we're just making it a, a generic, bland statement like that, yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well. It, yeah. What do we? Do you guys want to talk about live golf? Should we talk about Tiger Woods meeting? Did we know anything? What happened today? I don't know. It. it it's Tiger's the new Tiger's the new commissioner. My hands out, out, Tiger's in. Yeah, I'd love that. Oh, I don't. Hello. It's whatever, man. My my favorite live stuff this week is the, and it's not even live thing. It's just uh, our friend Patrick Reed. By the way, I think I might be the only person on Twitter not blocked by him. Darbo, are you blocked by him? I don't think so. I'll I'll double check. What's his uh, Twitter? Well, I'm definitely blocked by him. He made a big deal about it because he followed me back, or he followed me at one point. Remember that whole thing? I do remember that actually. Because he blocked you, and then everybody rallied. Everybody rallied for you. Like Chad is your biggest fan, and then he unblocked and then followed you, and then blocked you again like a month. Yeah, only to re-block me later. (laughs) I I called him Rasheed Wallace, which was a compliment. My God. Yeah, that's, that's right, you did. You got blocked by the by the, by the Rashid Paul. I couldn't believe it. Fucking guy. But yeah, I'm surprised that the Fantasy Golf Pod YouTube page was not mentioned in this lawsuit because I perpetuated the fact that he's a cheater for years. It's got 1.8 <laughs> million views that says he's a cheater. And I've got other videos displaying times where people have yelled at him, where he's talked about the shovel, where people have yelled, cheater, honked in his backswing. I've got several videos that move this needle and i'm not mentioning uh, i i think you can't be named in it because nobody like nobody knows who you are no offense uh (laughs) 
<laughs> whatever. I got one point eight million views about my, him. My favorite year. part about this is he's he's requesting seven hundred and fifty million dollars or whatever mm. it is. And if you just read through the statement, it just screams like this isn't actually real. We're just doing this to fuck with people. And you got l- all kinds of these lawyer people on Twitter going yes. off about <laughs> this lawsuit. Oh, there's no way. And they use all these fucking lawyer terms. And I'm sitting Clearly. there reading like, well, no fucking shit. I've got to be a lawyer to read that and see. They just listed off a bunch of things that people yelled at him in a in a golf tournament, and then and then said, "We want seven hundred fifty million dollars." Use your brain and realize that that's not real. <laughs> you, you don't have to be a lawyer and go into all your lawyer talk to explain to people that it's not real. Just oh, wild, so wild. I'm not going to name names, but somebody went on a rant in a thread about. Because he used to be a lawyer and he knows all the lawyer stuff, and there's no and it way got like 500 going, likes. Shit, they don't win, dude. The guy got like a million likes on that post too. Have you seen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you, have you seen? So um, what was I gonna say? God damn it! I don't remember. Well, I gotta make my lineup, so I gotta decide names here. I haven't made any lineups. Now, if you're making 40 lineups, how many names should you make if it's a 70 man? No cut event. How I many lineups? Thirty-one. I mean, Chad, my player pool is seventy golfers or sixty-eight golfers this week. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's just you know, I think. So what we were talking about uh, with the whole ownership, you know, if you if you actually went and you absolutely in your mind were like, I am going to pick the pivot. 100% of the time and just go mm-hmm. that route, mm-hmm. you probably would be more, um, I mean, there's the potential that you, I'm not so much the potential, probably the consistency that you're going to be more successful than someone who just chooses both. You know, like I'll go chalk this week, I'll go pivot this week, yada, 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 because you have more potential to be wrong. But, but, but what you're saying, you're saying is that every time the roulette wheel spins, you take red. Versus every time the roulette wheel spins, but you go, mm, my God's follow- telling me blue at black. Oh, it just was red. Okay, I'm going to go red again. Oh, no. Which that's basically like you're trying to guess 50% of the time. So I don't think there's a, there's a model that's 100% correct all the time. Um, I think what I'm trying to get at is if you just stuck to your guns and played DFS golf the same way every single week and you, you were consistent with your approach – and you only grabbed, you know, certain golfers in certain buckets or whatever you want to call how everyone else does theirs. You probably mm. will be con- like, like throughout the year, more successful than you would be if you were just random. Now, that's mm. not what I'm advocating for. Like, I wouldn't want you to just always pick the the uh, the pivots. Um, I think Andy Lack had a, a tweet saying that 60% of the time the chalk hits versus the pivots. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I was about to reference that tweet just over this last, and and but that's also kind of what I've determined, you know, looking or going through my my spreadsheet of the super season, the the chalk hits more often than the pivots do, um, so so I think so what, in in other words, someone could go out of their way to just be the chalk donkey, mm-hmm. and they could actually be profitable. Yes, uh, that, yeah. that's the other thing too. Because I can't oh, remember. Just as equal as the pivot donkey. 
I can't remember how the equation goes, but let you know you put those four poles up: chalk hits, chalk bus, pivot hits, pivot bus. Mm -hmm. Now, if you followed any of those, like if you you know you either go pivots or you go chalk, and you did that all the time, you're going mm -hmm. to have a pretty consistent rate of success. Not, and I'm not saying you're going to be successful. I'm just saying your rate is going to be consistent. Um, whereas if you were more volatile and you're like, I'm going to go pivot this week, chalk next week, pivot this week or that and the next, whatever you could actually be 0% successful going that right, that route. Cause you will pick the wrong, the wrong guys at the wrong time. There's also exactly. the potential where you could pick the right guy at the right time, but you would then have to weigh out, you know, how, that, that's more luck based. Whereas if you just stuck to an approach that is more of a strategy and that strategy is going to net you a success rate. And it's probably, I mean, it has the, it has a lower ceiling. That's, that's the other thing to also get, uh, you know, to put in this here. If you choose like a strict strategy like that, where you're always choosing leverage or you're always choosing chalk, you have a lower ceiling than someone who was more random and is willing to go up and down. Their ceiling is as high as it gets because they're they're allowing no biases to to choose their their lineups basically. I mean, they're they're going to have their models and whatever, but that they're also susceptible to the lowest success rate as well. And that's where the volatility comes into play. So, long story short, your player pool can be however big you want. As long as you've got a good strategy behind it, I think it it doesn't it doesn't matter what your player pool is. Okay, so I can choose twenty nine names is what I've got right now. Yeah, I'm making forty lineups. And if you've got narratives to your that. lineups, guess what? What's you that? can only build so many different narratives with with your with that player pool. Just like with the bucket system, there are only so many lineups you can create following the buckets. So like, that's why right. for me, my player pool is 68 golfers deep because in all reality, I can only create, you know, a hundred lineups because I'm doing the 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, 6 approach. So just doing that restricts the amount of lineups I can create. And guess what? If even if the 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, 6 isn't the GPP winning score, I guarantee you. I have the possibility of having all six of my golfers inside the top 20. But I'm also restricting yeah. my lineups, how many lineups I can build by just following that strategy. So I think no, for the, the average, I think the average layman, Chad, I think if you were just to tell them to, to limit the amount of golfers in their player pool, it just makes lineup building easy for them. It saves them time. You know, as long as they're, and I don't know, I think that's really the wrong way to do it, but it's probably the most profitable, like, piece of advice you can give someone because it's easy. It's simple. It's easy. There's really no thought process behind it. Okay. That's, but I, yeah, also, I mean, one other most point. Most people want to remove decisions from their process. Like that is the truth. And that's what comes down to it on Sunday morning for NFL. I'm sitting on the toilet. Maybe even it's just noon and I'm like paralyzed with analysis by paralysis. I wish I had less decisions. And I wish I think, you know, I do not take 
a not running quarterback. I only take a run, a running quarterback. Okay. Well that's these three guys and whatever. And then this guy's in a better matchup. Okay. I can, you know, and, and it eliminates some of your decision-making process and you need to do that for golf is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's my approach too, right? I, I anchor around two guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find my favorite 10 K guy and my favorite nine K guy. And if I don't have a 10 K guy that I like, or I don't have a nine K guy I, I like, I'll go 10, eight, or I'll go nine, eight, or maybe I'll go nine, nine, you know, and then go from there. And what that allows me to do is restrict the amount of lineups I can build as well. So there, okay. So the, the one other piece I was going to add to what I had said previously is if you do restrict your player pool to a smaller amount, the chances of you hitting big are, I shouldn't even say the chances, but if you do hit, you will win big. And that's why, you know, narrowing your player pool is a lot of people's advice, but I think Mm -hmm. that's really foolish because hitting the, you know, optimal lineup or a GPP winning lineup is so freaking hard that let's say you, you only have three 6k golfers in your, in your pool and say it's like Kucher, um, Taylor Moore and uh, Wyndham Clark. Those are the only three 6k guys. Well, guess what? You've just eliminated yourself from using the other, what, 13 6K golfers there. What if one of those guys hits? Now you're fucked. You know, like. Exactly. So. No, I think you need to, like, decide your goals. That's correct. completely, totally it. Like, do you want to win or lose? Like. I've seen in Vegas human beings walk up to the roulette table and be a complete and total fool with their chips and put it all on certain numbers and shit. And you're like, bro, you're winning or you're going to lose it all at this point. And I've seen people do the corners and spread that shit all out. And then they've made their girlfriend think that they've won a bunch of money at that point, but they've actually just spread every number and they're just recycling the same money again. Sometimes you do want to recycle. You want to do a little bit of the happy medium where you recycle enough money, but you're putting yourself in position each week, which I like to say that I've been doing a little bit more where every week I have two or three chances, but those two or three chances pay for my other 37 missed chances if my two or three chances don't get to the promised land. And that's mm-hmm. the that's the ultimate goal. I Josh, think the easiest you... thing to do is to anchor around a 10 and a 9K guy or some someone up there because now you restrict yourself to what kind of lineups you can build. And I think you're, you're going to be more successful because we have, what, four to 10K golfers this week. Sometimes we have five, six. If you just do the math on that, that this week you have a 25% chance to get the 10K golfer correct if the 10K is in, you know, the GPP winning lineup or whatever. But more likely, you're gonna they're gonna finish inside the top 10. It's, it's gonna be good. You, you're gonna want a 10K golfer. Then you yeah. pivot down to the nine, or you not pivot, you you move down to the 9K. Now there's 10 guys in the 9K this week, which is a lot larger than it typically is, but you still have a 10% chance to get the correct 9K golf, golfer. Those percentages in this game are so good the 8k the 7k the 6k that's hard you know like find who your anchor plays are up at the 10 and the 9 and if you and if we could in some of these optimizers if you could just say hey 
pick between either Rory or Rom. Those are my 10Ks. I want just those two. And then another rule you go, here are my 9Ks. I either want Finau, Sung JM, or whatever. And then you just build lineups that way. I think you'd be more successful that way. Okay. I'm on Fantasy National playing with this uh, generator, lineup generator that they have. I do not have a promo code. They didn't give me one. I asked Moose for one one time, and he was like, mm, we're good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you can use the code Mayo to get 20% off. Uh, but Or don't use this website. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck them. Uh, the generator is actually helpful because I don't know if this is actually doing shit. I'm moving shares around, says. I'm moving shares from, you know. I typically like to at least use four. So right now, I mean, four out of 40 10%. I mean, that's that's kind of nothing in a, in a way. And you know, like, you're not really getting enough combinations with that specific person. But at the same time, a blind squirrel can find a nut. And I want to have those little outs here and there if I'm going to go heavy on a few guys or whatever. So like six out of 40 is probably better. Maybe even eight out of 40 in order to like give yourself actual positions on these names. Four is feels like enough for like Lucas Glover. Like I think that's you, perfect, Chad. What you have okay. on the screen, I think, is wonderful for this week because okay. it's a limited field event. So mm-hmm. you're not gonna get like a to me four percent and in the, in the six K range is the perfect amount to own a golfer to roster a golfer. Um, but there's 10%. a limited like somewhere between four to six percent. Well, because what um, I'm doing right now, I'm only making 40. So in four shares, that's like I mean, 10%. And that's yeah, fine. So that's, that's Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. The lowest though, I want to do. I feel like I'm not even – I'm really like – like I had Straka show up for two lineups, and I decided I'm going to just – I'm not even going to use him. Whereas I could maybe put Hoagie in there, but see, Hoagie's doesn't fit because I got seven for Hoagie. But I kinda, I'm kind of feeling a little Hoagie love for the birdie fest. And uh, like Chaz, I like Chaz. You know, right, so you gotta have a little bit of bias in this stuff, and then I like Bizaden, who especially on bent grass. Maybe I want to add I more know. shares to Bizaden. Chad, I think it's the opposite. You don't want to have any bias in the six K range. These guys are down here for a reason. This is your this oh, is but, your... but I play for fun, dude, and I want to like I I do like Chaz and I do like Tringali, and if no one likes them, that's what makes me like him more. You know, it's kind of I'll pick him. You know. And if no one's on Denny McCarthy this week, I'll put a, I'll click five shares. But I think you're right, though. Like what you're mentioning is that anyone under the $7,200 mark, they're kind of like your last flyer in. So mm-hmm. you're kind of like hoping that, that that no one else likes them either. As opposed to up here where I, yeah, I then do the, I actually kind of do the same in the 10K range because I don't want to miss out on a certain name that I think could pop. But when I'm convicted on a name or I have a house bet going now, sometimes <laughs> I don't take into consideration the betting market versus the DraftKings pricing. Like I don't, you know, so, like I like Hatton on the betting board, but I don't like him as much on the DraftKings board, but I'm still going to use him because I think no one else is, but there's a lot of times I'll spray the 10 K range. I'll spray the six K range, but then I'll get real convicted on a nine or an eight K that's just kind of what I've been doing. So I've got a little bit more Homa in my life. Do love a Max Homa guy like uh, Sam Burns, like Morikawa, like M. So you see, I have a little bit more ownership on those. Sorry, Josh. 
You haven't spoken for like 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, that's Trish, all good. I, I, yeah, I, he's hearing the baby in the background. He's wondering what's going on. I am. It's okay. You can keep rolling, Chad. This is fun. Okay, so this is kind of what I'm doing. And then once you so you star the names on Fantasy Nashville, you go to the lineup generator, you click this stuff in, you spray off some stuff, and then all of a sudden you get some things and you you know you do some shares moving, and then you export this shit. So then Chad, the names I, pop. Yeah. Ultimately, obviously you do whatever you want, but I think you go forty nine five to fifty thousand and you build lineups that way. You still do fifty thousand? Yeah. That was the GPP yes, winning yeah, I, the GPP winning uh lineup last week used all fifty thousand. I think sixteen percent so, of the time this year, Chad, sixteen percent of the time fifty thousand dollars was were, was used. Oh yeah. As the GPP winning lineup. Jeez. Yeah, so but of those 16%, how many were of no-cut events with 70 people? There Zero. weren't a lot of no-cut events this, this year. Like the, There was like three. Total. Yeah, so then I don't trust that anyway, so I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I'm going back over to DraftKings as soon as I get done with uh, making the lineups on uh, Fantasy National. I saved them, or they, they popped up for me. So then I go back to my lineups here, which... I mentioned that I make my narrative lineups and then I'm in a 20 max and I do separate them by building some dummy lineups so that I feel like I know, Oh, those are the 20, whatever. you don't care. But what you can do is you can download then my 62 entries and then that'll pop up uh, on a Chrome. Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. Watch this. Okay. So we got Chrome here. And then these are my lineups for the week. We're not sharing. And then I go back to this. Oh, it's not working because of my computer error. Fuck. Oh, well. That's okay. Uh, in the background there, I'm copying and pasting shit onto spreadsheets. No one cares. <laughs> um, then... Josh, what's your, uh, what's your strategy with lineup building? Lineup. Well, it's nice that you asked, Darbo. <laughs> I have run lineup. the. I, I, I am playing. I am playing one lineup this week, uh, mostly because I don't care or have enough time to make more. Usually, I'll do twenty. Um, and my strategy is, I go through. And I start making lineups. If I like a guy, goes in the lineup. Like a guy, goes in the lineup. I don't restrict based on anything. If he's in the model, probably going to play him. If somebody has convinced me on him for whatever reason, probably play him. Could have 40 dudes for 20 lineups. Could have 15. Hmm. I just I just pick dudes and put them in. I'm just playing this for fun, Darbo. Okay, yeah, you're, yeah. Doing, you're doing that's, this that's for a, great... a reason. Chad, Dude. you're probably doing this for a reason. I'm just... Playing lineups for fun, man. Okay, so then are you successful and have you won any mega profits with your lack of data? Well, not in PGA, no. I've won a little bit on Euro Tour. I did win an LPGA GPP. <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. Hey, Josh. I've also I've also won a NFL showdown GPP. 
Josh, if we could mm. figure out two golfers or two, yeah, two roster spots, what type of golfer it would be? Would you always choose that type of golfer? Mm. Like if 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 someone could could tell you out of these six golf, well, no, 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 yeah, out of these six yeah. golfers, you want to put them in two of your roster like spots. Would you choose right away from those those six golfers, or would you still kind of have like a little doubt where you're like, you know what? I don't like any of those golfers. I don't want to play any of them. I'm just gonna go with the rest of the, you know, 62 golfers in the field. Uh, there's probably a solid chance that I would probably like two of them, assuming that they're like decent golfers. Okay. So yeah, I'd probably stick with the two. But I mean, I don't really live. I don't really limit anything. Just if- or, or if there was a strategy that. 90% of the time it was successful. Would you follow that strategy? Whether it was like a salary strategy or a... Well, for sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if you're trying to beat three people out of six? So like for this I'll example, I'm trying to advance to next week in the in the playoffs here in my home league. Would you go more... Would you try to think about what other people are going to do? Because a lot of times I, can, I try to do that and I'm just shocked at what the fucking people in our league do. And I'm like, why would they do that? Or I'm like, oh my God, they all did that. I thought I was different. Uh, so I don't know if I can predict the dummies in our league's ownership. You but can, I if think- you're playing like that short of, if you're playing like three people or five people, especially mm-hmm. our leagues may be different because you kind of know who they are. Mm-hmm. Like you, like, you know who I, I I'm not, I'm not going to play a super balanced lineup just to see if I can beat you. I just play whoever I like, and that's just what's going to happen. Right. But so, but for the most part, you like you can. Pro- we tried to predict Quagnus's lineup. We know how he plays, so you can probably do that with people you know. You know what? If you're playing people you don't know, if you're just going based on what like the averages are or whatever, like that's an average over like hundreds of thousands of people. You don't know what an individual person sitting on the other side of the computer is going to do. So I think trying to predict what three or five people are going to do is a waste of time. Okay, so I think because this week matters for you to move on to next week, Mm -hmm. I think using a more balanced approach is your best way to get to the next round. But that next round, too. you better be extremely contrarian because you're trying to win. Correct. That's oh I, yeah. And and I guess if you're just playing against two other people, it I guess it doesn't really matter because in those high price, those high uh, entry fee contests on DraftKings, it's like you t- you tend to get with a five man uh, f- uh, field in the contest, eighty percent ownership on guys. Because everyone is gravitating towards the safest play. So even if you did that, say you you and the other two guys played the same four golfers, it still comes down to those last two. It's a two v two, yeah. Yeah, and, and I would I would much rather take my chances on that. So I don't mind duping someone else in in one of these things. And that's the one thing that I should have thought about last week. Because I just yeah. I just put in a, a normal lineup that I I do every single week, 
and this comes into my conversation that I had before, I have a higher ceiling doing that, but I also have a very lower floor than if I were to just, you know, do a balance lineup. And I kind of thought for a second of, of copying your lineup that we did last week. Just yeah, I was like, you guys are making fun of this. I'm like, this is all I need. Yeah, I was it right. ended up being a yeah, it ended up being a good one. You didn't have the winner, but in our league, this you was what either. the third highest score for the guys that were in the playoffs. Uh, fourth, technically. Oh yes, fourth because no, Rob's not in it. Oh, really? Yeah, so Rob is right? R- Ryan, Eric, and Matt Hayes are all in it still. Gotcha. Yeah, so, so I ended up fourth out of six, and that's all that mattered. And now I need to finish third out of six. Correct. So see, I still thought there was like a total points that went with it. And I just, I fucked up. I didn't even think, I really didn't think it through. Um, But yeah, I think for this week, you would want to go more balanced than, you know, because you're just trying to be the top three. Yeah. No, I'm trying to still tinker around here. I don't know if I want to use Riley though. And then I'm not sure if I want to use Sungjae. Because I think I want to use Morikawa. In my opinion... You, you, you still want two guys that you think will win this tournament, and I think actually you have four guys. I think if you put more Kawa there, that, that's fine. Yeah, you have four guys right there at the top that that have a really good shot of winning this tournament. Yeah, including yeah. including Homa. <laughs> right? No, no. And then it's like, do I? You know. So I'm trying to tinker because I still like Burns too in a no cut event with Burns. I think we can do all right. But then I'm I not. listen to a lot of golfers talk about this golf course, and I t- I listen to a lot of radio. Mm-hmm. There's there's been a lot of good stuff that I've heard. Like uh, in your GPPs, Lucas Glover says that he's been hitting the ball the best he has for a long time. In a long time, he has more confidence with his putter. So Glover seems to be like a pretty decent um, flyer for GPPs. Okay. Um, Wyndham Clark says he's been hitting the ball the best, and this golf course suits his game. He bombs it over all the bunkers at 315 yards. We do like Wyndham off the tee, so that's another mm-hmm. good flyer. Um, I listened to Chris Yuxujin's uh little thing last night with you guys. The spaces, you drunkards and high folk that were on there. Yeah, did you hear me on there? I was mostly listening to BK and him slurring his words. Uh, yeah, he, he. I didn't realize he had a good just gotten off his his pod and he was a little high drunk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was listening to what he was saying and 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 like he was thinking the rough wasn't that hard, but then he got Tony Finau talking about how hard the the rough was. Rory was talking about how hard, hard the rough was. Um, even Wyndham Clark was talking about the rough, but he liked his chances better because he's hitting pitching wedges out of the rough instead of like seven, six, five irons. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't have any concerns about this course because there's no trouble. He can just bomb it off the tee and doesn't matter if he hits in the rough. There's no water. There's no OBs. There's nothing. So it seems like it's trending more towards bomb, like a bomber's paradise. And even Andrew Putnam talked about that. He's like, yeah, this is going to be a, a harder test for me than it was last week. Cause last week mm. fit his game really well, he finished fifth, mm. I think last week or yep. something like that. Yep. T five. Uh, and he's like, this, this course seems to uh, not fit his game the way that he would like it to. 
So we're just kind of talking about that. Um, who else did I listen yeah. to? I think those are. Yeah, I don't. Remember. No, and it makes sense because when you look at the ownership projections and you look at the models and things that are happening, and people are starting to feel that way. So, makes sense. I mean, just like I've said in the past, I still think you need two short ball hitters because we'll see two of those guys either in the GPP winning lineup or in the optimal lineup. It just ha- happens almost every single tournament where you're there's two just random dudes that you're like, this shouldn't have fit this guy's game, but it does. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that kind of exhausts the uh, conversation. I got to go actually decide things, make decisions. This is the last call to make your decisions, right? Pretty Wednesday much. Night. I only got one lineup to make a decision. I'm pretty sure I already built it too. Yeah, you made it. You already told us about it, so we're going to dupe it. If you don't get know my, who it is, you can rewind and watch. My favorite okay. 6K golfer, I'll, I'll say it now, Harold Varner III. Ooh. Right. He's, a, he's in the model. Is he? He is 24th. Damn. Hey, thanks for everyone for coming and watching the show. We're going to try to do this maybe again next week, and then we'll try to take a break. But then we'll be back for the fall swing because we got nothing else to do. We're not NFL people. Fuck. No. I don't know anything about NFL. I was giving you shit, too. I don't care. Michael, give me shit all you want. That's the best part about this program is that I'm (laughs) a shit acceptor. You guys are awesome. Quagnus is out of here. Jish Swish, thanks for producing the program. Darbo, appreciate you being here as always. Uh, you can find Eric Darbo at Sweet Spot DFS on YouTube and Twitter. And um, we'll be back again next week on this YouTube channel. Clicking names, cracking beers, enjoying life. Play the music or are we, gonna, are we done? I can play it. Why not? That sounds yeah, fun. Play, play.